This is LAC Online Church in Perry, Ohio. We exist to love God and love people. For more information about our church or ministry activities, please visit LakeErieChurch.com. Now here's today's message. Open your Bibles this morning to the book of Joshua chapter 1. We're going to look at nine verses of Scripture in Joshua chapter 1. And before we read this Scripture, I just want to take just a moment to give you some context so that you'll understand how powerful these words really are and why they are important for your life and my life. The story of the Bible, especially in Genesis, begins with Adam and Eve, but immediately, in a few chapters, gets to a man by the name of Abraham who has a son named Isaac who has twin children named uh, Jacob and Esau. Jacob is a central figure in the book of Genesis. He had 12 sons. One of those sons is a young man named Joseph, and we've preached about Joseph a lot here. The last 13 chapters of the book of Genesis are dealing with the life of of Joseph because there's a lot in Joseph's life that God wanted you to notice. And it's great reading for you to read those 13 chapters because God wants you to notice this young man's life because it is the story of the nation of Israel. Joseph, sold by his brothers, gets down to Egypt, who sell these Egyptians, uh, sell him to an Egyptian politician who's in the court of Pharaoh, and it isn't long, a few years, until Joseph ends up, he ends up in the court of the most powerful man on the face of the earth. The man's had a dream about fat cows, thin cows, And he doesn't know what it means. And God gave Joseph the interpretation of the dream. The interpretation of the dream is actually a foretelling of the future that's coming. And Joseph becomes an authority in the land of Egypt, helping them to navigate this severe famine of seven years that came. Well, in the course of all of that, Jacob and Joseph's brothers are reunited and they all come back to Egypt. And they spend the rest of Jacob's life and the rest of Joseph's life in Egypt, in a place called Goshen, which was outside the capital city. And the importance of that is to understand that the entire nation of Israel at the time has been relocated to Egypt. Well, as long as Pharaoh, who Joseph helped out, as long as he was in charge, Joseph and his family enjoyed favor and the splendor of the land. But eventually, that Pharaoh dies and a new Pharaoh comes into power. The Bible says he does not know Joseph. He doesn't have the same attitude about Jacob's family. In fact, he becomes very concerned about the immigrants that are exploding out there in Goshen And he recognizes before long their population will be greater than the Egyptians. And he fears that the people of Egypt will become slaves to the Hebrews. So he does something very radical. He decides that every male baby is to be killed. He starts out by asking the midwives to kill the male babies when they're born. But the midwives, the Bible said, fearing God would not do it. So he went further. 
He ordered that every male baby under the age of two would be taken from its mother and thrown into the Nile River and drowned. That's where you hear about Moses, one of the Hebrew babies, whose mother made a basket and put him in that river to protect him from Pharaoh's scourge. Moses grows up to become the leader, the, the deliverer, the spokesman, if you please, for God to Pharaoh in order that Pharaoh would allow the people to go out of Egypt and return to the land that God had promised them. The whole book of Exodus is the story of that journey. Forty years they traveled through the wilderness trying to get to the place that God had promised them. Moses has been their leader all this time. And then something really crazy happens. God says to Moses, you're not going any farther. This is the end of the road for you. And Moses dies. And we pick up the story in Joshua chapter 1. So stand with me if you would please. Verse 1. After the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant, and he said, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, why did he have to tell Joshua that Moses was dead? He had to tell them that he was dead because Moses had gone to the mountain and died there without the children of Israel knowing that he had died. So God was the one that announced to Joshua, Moses is dead. Therefore the time has come for you, Joshua, to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River into the land that I'm giving them. I promise you what I promised Moses. Wherever you set foot, you will be on land I have given you. From the Negev wilderness in the south to the Lebanon mountains in the north, from the Euphrates River in the east, to the Mediterranean Sea in the west, including all the land of the Hittites. Verse 5. No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. For I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you or abandon you. Verse 6. Be strong and courageous. For you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land. I swore to their ancestors that I would give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left. Then you will, have, then you will be successful in everything that you do. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night. So you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all that you do. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Father, thank you for the promise of your word today. Wherever we go, you're with us. Thank you that you keep your promises. That everything you have ever promised us will come to pass. Thank you, Father, for your enduring faithfulness even in the hardest places of our life. 
Now, Father, let your word be strong in our heart today. May we hear everything that you desire us to know. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. You may be seated. Study of the Exodus is interesting because when they left Egypt that night, they left in the middle of the night. And all they had was a promise. They didn't have a GPS. They didn't have Siri. All they had was the promise of God. They were guided by a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. And they hadn't been gone long until Pharaoh changed his mind and chased them out there in the wilderness until they were backed up against the Red Sea. Miraculously, if you know the story, miraculously, God parted the waters of the Red Sea. They marched across on dry ground. And the wilderness experience was that way all the time. Whatever they needed, whatever was required, whatever took place, God provided. That's important to remember. Because there's some things about this journey that they're on that I think speaks to Lake Erie Church. Because we are on a journey. Regardless of your state in life, you may be a teenager, you may be a senior, you may be an early career, young couple, family, middle age, whatever. Wherever you are in life, no matter how much you have served the Lord, how long you've served the Lord, you're on a journey, you're going somewhere. God's called you for a purpose and a destiny and a, and a future that God knows about. We talked about this last week, that He has a plan for your life and He needs you to embrace the plan that He has. We, we've said it over and over. He wants you to say yes to the plan. It's important because this trip lasted a lot longer than they thought. I mean, geographically, it's been said, I've read it many times in research, they could have gotten there in eight days. Had they walked straight out of Egypt, straight up to Sinai, they'd have been there in eight days. Why did it take 40 years? Well, maybe it took 40 years to get Egypt out of them. They had lived their life so long in that environment. Maybe, maybe they had to get Egypt out of them. The trip is interesting because it involved a lot of things that they were unprepared to handle. Things came up in this trip that they were not ready for. And they had to learn how to adapt and how to trust God. When they ran out, when they ran out of bread, when they didn't have bread, they, they cried out and God gave them bread. When they didn't have meat, God caused the birds to fly into the valley so they would have plenty of meat. Here's the other thing I want you to know about the trip. The trip was of such a length that some of them gave up. It took longer than they thought and they just gave up. They just said it's not worth it. Daniel said a moment ago when he was leading us in worship, he talked about the fact that 
You know, sometimes the battle is not just a day or a week, but sometimes it's longer. And there's a temptation that comes to just give up. We've all dealt with it. I, I, I've dealt with that. There been a, there's, a, there's a temptation sometimes that when it's hard and it's difficult to just say, forget it. Shelly and I talked about this this weekend. Someone that we love, someone that we care about. You can't give up. You have to keep going. You have to keep pressing on. Even if you don't understand what's going on in your life. You see, you can't, I, I don't care how hard it's become for you. You can't linger in the graveyard of your pain. You can't stay there and wish for a better time or wish it was better. You have to keep going. You have to press on because if you, if you just languish in the graveyard of your disappointment, you'll never get there. Here's what I'm going to tell you at the beginning. You'll see it at the end, but here's what God's Word says. You're going to get there. You're going to get there over and over in the Bible. The promise of God is that He is going to bring us to the fulfillment of every promise that He's ever made to you. When I was just a little guy, little bitty guy, I traveled with my dad to a revival one night and I've never forgotten the experience that after the service is over at the altar, this man came down to the altar and it was a little church, and, and, and he, when he came down, everybody in the church came and prayed for him, surrounded him. And at some point, you know, you could sense that he, they broke through to victory, and he raised his hands, and everybody was so excited. When service was over, concluding, the pastor asked if anybody wanted to say anything, and a woman stood up. She said, that was my husband that got saved today. And I just thank God for saving him and for keeping his promise, because 41 years ago, 41 years ago in my prayer closet, I asked God to give me an assurance that my husband would be saved and I felt God promise me that day that my husband would be saved. And she said, I never gave up my belief that God would keep his word. That what God had promised so what I'm telling somebody in this room today, maybe it feels like you're praying and nothing's happening. Maybe you're getting discouraged because the circumstances are overwhelming you, but you have to keep going and you have to keep believing that whatever God has promised, He always brings it to pass. In the passage, there are three statements, three principles that I lift up for you very quickly here. Because I want you to understand this very, very important thing. Number one, sometimes life is interrupted. Sometimes life is unpredictable. Think about the story. In fact, I want you to see it. If you still have your Bibles open, open it back up to Joshua 1. And just turn back, to, in my Bible, two pages to chapter Deuteronomy chapter 32. Let me read this to you. It's not on the screen. I'm going to read it to you. It starts in verse 48. This is so powerful. Verse 48. That same day. Somebody say same day. That same day the Lord said to Moses. Now 
What happened that day? Moses stood up in front of Israel and he said, Listen, we're about to cross the Jordan River. We're going to live in the land of promise. It's going to be an amazing experience. Here's what we have to do to get ready. You've got to make sure you got your life right. This is how you're going to live over there. That same day, he finishes up, he walks off the stage. That same day, the Lord said to Moses, Go to Moab, to the mountains east of the river. Climb Mount Nebo, which is across the Jericho. Look out across the land of Canaan, the land I'm giving to the people of Israel as their own special possession. Then you will die there on the mountain. You will join your ancestors, just as Aaron, your brother, died at Mount Hor and joined his ancestors. For both of you betrayed me with the Israelites at the waters of Mirabah at Kadesh in the wilderness of Zin. You failed to demonstrate my holiness to the people of Israel there. So you will see the land from a distance, but you will not enter the land that I'm giving to the people of Israel. You talk about interruption. The euphoria of saying, folks, we're about to enter the land. And God said, but you're not going. You're not going. And Joshua has spent all these years working as Moses' assistant. They've been working together, getting the transitional plans ready. And all of a sudden, God said, here's a, a newsflash for you. Moses is dead. You're in charge. What? I thought Moses was on a sabbatical. I thought he went for a short vacation. I thought he was like Tyrone Jackson on extended vacations. The Jacksons have been on nine weeks of vacation straight in a row, I believe. I wish I had his benefit package, I tell you. He told me a moment ago, he said, if I had my way, I'd have never come back. I don't think he was talking about Robin. I think he was talking about us. Joshua, Moses is dead. You're in charge. Isn't that just like life? Life interrupted. Life unpredictable. It's the way life is. And everybody in this room at some level understands that. It's the letter that comes in the mail that you weren't expecting. It's the plant closing and you don't know what your, where your next job is. It's the phone call from the doctor after your doctor's appointment that says you need to come back. There's something on this x-ray that we're not happy about. It's the diagnosis. It's the uncertainty. It's, it's the fact that your finances are are all of a sudden out of control. It looked like everything was fine. Then all of a sudden, here comes this bill. I was talking to a young man in our church not too long ago. We were talking about finances. He had asked for some guidance. and He was frustrated because he wasn't able to save a lot of money. And I told him, I said, I'm going to tell you what my daddy told me. You're not going to save a lot of money until your kids are raised. Because just about the time you get your little nest egg started, one of them's going to get sick. They're going to need to be braces. You're going to need tires on the truck. And it's just going to be that way the whole time until they get grown. Life interrupted. Life that is unpredictable. Here's what I'm telling you. Here's what you need to hear me say this morning. You cannot build your life on the certainty of this world. You can't build your hope on the stock market. You can't build your life on the predictability of your neighbors and your family because people let you down. You cannot build your life on the certainty of this world. 
There's only one thing. There's only one person that you'll ever be able to count on. Only one thing that you'll be able to build your life on. And that is the unchanging, forever faithful God that you serve. Good times and bad. Struggles and difficulty. It is the Lord that will be your strength. He is the one that you'll be able to count on. Life interrupted. Can anybody say pandemic? COVID. Anybody remember that? Those Sundays there in March. First Sunday of March, you know, I stood up in my optimism as I always am. Accused of being so optimistic. I said, folks, I think this will be okay. We're going to be fine. I don't think there's anything to worry about. Next Sunday I got up and I said the same thing again. I think we're going to be okay. We're going to keep, we're watching this very closely. Next Sunday we were closed. Twelve weeks. Just about everybody in this church at some time has had COVID. Some of you have had it twice. Some of you have had it three times. Life interrupted. Life that's unpredictable. It's this idea that the world could change in a heartbeat, in a moment. I'm not trying to plant fear. I'm not trying to, to uh, in any way impose fear on you. But is there anybody that doesn't at some point in life walk into a public place and wonder if some active shooter is about to start going crazy in that room? Do you think the children in that school in Uvalde, Texas thought there'd be a shooter walk into that school? Do you think the people at Walmart in El Paso, when that shooting took place at, at uh, Walmart in El Paso, I didn't go to our Walmart in Madison for a week. I figured he had a cousin up here somewhere that he... Life is so unpredictable. It's why you have to live in a ready... At any moment, your life could be over. At any moment, it could be ended for you. You can't build your life on the certainty of a world. You have to put your faith in the Lord and believe that He is the one. Jesus said in John 16, He said, In this world you will have tribulations. I'm telling you this so that in me you'll have peace. So in a world that's out of control, in a world that is unpredictable, in a world where there is all kinds of struggle, the only peace you'll ever be able to find is in Jesus. Sometimes life gets interrupted. Sometimes it is unpredictable. There are five words that God gave Joshua that I'm giving you this morning that will help you when you feel overwhelmed, when your anxieties are rising because of the circumstances that you're letting in your head and you're thinking about, there's five words that God gave Joshua in this passage that God is giving you this morning. I will be with you. When the doctor shakes his head and says, I don't know what I'm going to do, I will be with you. When the diagnosis is cancer, I will be with you. When the factory closes down and you don't know where you're going to pay your next, get your next paycheck, I will be with you. When your children live in rebellion and there's chaos at your house, I will be with you. You can trust that God will never leave you and that His presence will sustain you. Here's the second one. Sometimes life is unpredictable and sometimes fear will halt your progress it's amazing to me as I look at this passage 
that God already knew what Joshua's biggest problem was going to be, didn't he? His biggest problem was going to be his fear. His lack of courage. In fact, some time ago I was working with a local church as a consultant to kind of help them build a strategy for the future. And the elders were meeting with me without their pastor. And one of the elders said, you know, can you, can you help us? How can we help our pastor? When we pray, how should we pray? I said, it's very simple. Pray for your pastor's courage. Pray for his courage. Most pastors know exactly what to do. They lack the courage to do it. Pray for your pastor's courage. Pray that he will not be afraid to do or she will not be afraid to do whatever it is that God has told them to do. God knew that that was going to be Joshua's biggest problem. His lack of courage. And four times in this nine verses, he tells Joshua, don't be afraid. Be strong and courageous. I'm going to be with you. I'm going to help you. Don't be afraid. It's amazing. It's amazing to me. How much fear plays in our life. Now, when we are three, we don't have much fear. My little grandson, Zeke, when he was three, he was standing on the couch and he told his mommy, he says, Mommy, I can fly. And just as a mother who's exhausted of a three-year-old said, she went, go ahead. <laughs> Jumps off that couch. Did not stick the landing. Knocked out a tooth on the corner of the table. And it's the cutest thing you ever saw. I really hope the tooth doesn't come back. I hope it just stays with a gap right there. It's just the cutest thing in the world. He has no fear. When he came to stay with us the last time, he's four now. When he was staying with us the last time, he said to Shelly, he said, Nina, guess what? I think I can climb up there and I can jump right off the top of that banister. <laughs> Shelly's building walls and barriers because he has no fear. But wait till he's 44. Something about life that causes fear to start riding in the cab of your truck and fear to start laying on the bed at night. And I'm going to tell you what I actually believe. I could be wrong. And if I'm wrong, somebody will fix it. I think everybody's afraid of something. I know people that tell me I ain't afraid of nothing. I don't believe them. I'm sorry. Everybody's afraid of something. I got a brother. He's afraid of spiders. Me, I'm afraid of dogs. Now, I know some of you sleep with your dog, and I think that's just wonderful. Some of you walk up, and you show me pictures of your dogs. I think that's amazing. I've never had a good relationship with a dog. Dogs don't like me. I don't like them. I've been trying to lose a little bit of weight, and so I've been trying to walk every day, and I've got this little place I walk down here by my house toward the lake. 
And the other day I was feeling especially, you know, good. I thought, well, I'll just add some more time to it. I'll just take this turn right here. I turned down off of Madison, down onto one of those side roads, and I'm just walking along. I've got my earbuds in. I'm praising the Lord and having time. And now the right-hand side of it, over here he was. Biggest dog God ever made right over there. German Shepherd. And when he saw me, he put his tail between his legs and he came running with the full force of every muscle and fiber in his body. And you know what happens when you become afraid? You don't run. You just stop. Now, the smart thing would have been to run. Now, not that I thought I could outrun him. I should have run, but I didn't. And I froze. And I was wishing Shelly had been there. Because Shelly has a voice only dogs understand. Now, what I didn't realize at the moment, to my, to my good, was that his owner had tied him onto a long leash. He is running as hard as he can and when he gets to just about the edge of his driveway within four or five feet of me and he launches himself forward when he does that rope runs out of space and that, that just flipped him around and threw him backwards on the ground. What seemed like an hour was just a couple of seconds. I started moving right then. <laughs> While he's coming to himself laying there in the grass trying to figure out what just happened to me. I'm moving on. Everybody's afraid of something. You know what I think I've learned? I've, I've been involved with a lot of people through the years, and I think I've really kind of developed this philosophy that some of us are afraid of what we don't know. Some of, of us are afraid of what we do know. Some of us are afraid of the failures that we've made. And as strange as it sounds, some of us are afraid of the successes that we've had. And at some point, you have to come to grips with your fear. Because if you don't deal with your fear, you'll never make progress. If you don't come to a place where you can find peace... And faith to overcome whatever it is that's holding you back. You see, the story for some of you is that you were making really good progress. You were marching toward your destiny. You were embracing your journey to the promised land and something happened. Something happened that scared you. Something happened that threw you off. And you got afraid. And because you got afraid, you've not made any progress going forward. You've moved sideways a little bit, but you've never made any progress going forward. And God knew that Joshua would need to be able to overcome his fear. And he says to him over and over, be strong and courageous. I'm telling you, I'm going to be with you just like I was with Moses. You saw me with Moses. You saw what I did in his life. That's why I wanted them to sing that song, Same God. Because here's what I'm telling some of you. The same God that took care of your grandparents and the same God that took care of your mama and your daddy is the God who promises He will take care of you. The same God that answered prayers five years ago is the same God that still answers prayers today.
God wants you to know this morning that you don't have to be afraid. You don't have to be afraid of where you're going. You don't have to be afraid of what you're facing. In Numbers chapter 13, while they're on this journey, it's a fascinating story. I'd love for you to read it sometime. They get to the border of the land that they're about to go into. And God says to Moses, appoint 12 spies, send them into the land, and let them come back and give the people a report of what they saw. And so they did. They went into the land and they came back and they were carrying the fruits and the vegetables. And they told the people the land is exactly as God said it was. It truly is a bountiful and beautiful, gracious place. But then they said, but we're never going to live there. Why not? Because we saw giants in the land. We saw people who towered over us. In fact, we were so intimidated by their size that we felt like grasshoppers in their sight. And the Bible said the children of Israel began to cry and lament. And say to Moses, why didn't God just leave us in Egypt? Wish we were back in Egypt. No, they didn't. They were slaves in Egypt. They were only saying that because they were afraid. It was their fear that made them want to go back. It was their fear that made them want to return to the place that they had asked God to deliver them from. And when they began to cry, you know what happened? It ticked God off. Now your King James Bible may say the anger of the Lord waxed hot against Israel. Where I grew up we say God got ticked off. And God said none of you are going to go into that land. You're all going to die out here in this wilderness. And for years and years I labored over that Jason. I tried to figure out what was it that ticked God off? Was God angry because they were afraid? No, He wasn't angry that they were afraid because God knows our nature. The Bible said He knows that we're dust. He knows that we have a tendency to be afraid. When we get into places where we don't understand and we don't know, we're going to be afraid. We walk into a dark room, we can't get our bearings, we're going to be afraid. Our children start growing up and we don't know what that's going to feel like, we're going to be afraid. If the money gets tight and we don't know how we're going to pay the bill, we're going to get afraid. God's not upset that you get afraid. What made God mad was that their fear led them to believe that God couldn't take care of them anymore. This same God who had been so faithful, this same God who had been such a supplying God, now they're saying God can't take care of us anymore. And that's what fear does. Fear causes your mind to go crazy. You start thinking things and you get paranoid about stuff and you start having thoughts that aren't even rational thoughts. God's been taking care of you all of your life. God's been answering your prayers all of your life just because you're in a place where it's hard, just because you're discouraged, just because you're going through something. It doesn't mean that God has changed one iota. He's still the same God. He's still faithful to you. He still supplies your need. You may just have to wait on Him. There's a third and final one. Life can be interrupted, unpredictable. Fear will stop your progress. And sometimes you just have to have a bold faith. 
just have to have a bold faith. Football players in the room, Landon, you'll know what I'm talking about. Football players do it all the time. You just have to bow up. You just have to bow up and say, this is my moment right here. And the devil's not going to steal it. My fear's not going to take it away from me. I'm going to stand on every promise that God has ever made me and I'm not giving up. The devil tells me my kids are not going to be saved, but the devil is a liar. The doctor says there's no way to fix me, but the devil is a liar. I'm going to bow up in my faith. I'm going to hold on. I feel the presence of the Lord in this room. Somebody just heard something today. God's trying to help us understand that if we have a bold faith, there isn't anything God can't do. There is no mountain he can't bring down. There is no valley he can't raise up. There is no place where he can't get water and bread to you. There is no place where he can't bring resources. If you need them, you just have to have a bold faith in the Lord who is your keeper. Come on, somebody praise him this morning. Yes, yes. So what happened? They... They cross over the Jordan River. Their first battle is Jericho. A walled city in which the walls are so thick they can run chariots on top of them. That gigantic city stands there like a citadel. And the people of God are going, how are we going to do this? And God says, here's what you do. You march around this wall one time every day for six days. On the seventh day, you march around it seven times. No talking. You know why God said that? Because there were people in that group that were going to say, this is the stupidest idea I've ever heard. I think our preacher is nuts. Go where? Do what? March around the walls seven times? And so they did. You know, you know what, it, 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 what it reminded me, what it caused me to think about is how many times God just needs from you a crazy obedience. Doesn't make sense. Your neighbors, your friends, your family, they think you're off the rocker. They think you're crazy. But you know what God said? God said, go over there and dip seven times in the Jordan River. And I know there are cleaner rivers in Syria, and I know there's other places you could dip in the water, but God said to dip in the Jordan River. And I know it's crazy, but just do what God said. Just do what God said. Don't be questioning what God said. Don't be complaining about people. Just do what God said. You know what God wanted right there? He didn't want the people questioning Joshua. He just wanted them to say, you're the leader. If that's what God said, we're with you. Just do what God said. Because that's the key. Because the Bible said that when they came to the Jordan River, God made them step into the river first before he parted the water. Now let's be real. I know people that go, ooh, that could be deep. 
okay, Lord, whenever you, you get started here, I'm, I'm your guy. God said, no, you've got to get in there first. Ooh, I don't know. So your progress just got stopped. Maybe, maybe you need God to heal something in your body. Maybe God wants you to start thanking Him right now for healing. Maybe you praise Him in advance. Or as my grandfather used to say, you praise Him on credit. You just praise Him because you know it's coming. You know God's going to answer the prayer. You know God's going to deliver. Maybe you walk into that rebellious child's room while they're asleep. And you stand over their bed and you declare the future of God over their life. You say, they haven't changed their attitude. No, but you're changing yours. You say, I don't know how I'm going to pay my bills. Maybe you get your checkbook out and you say, God, I'm bringing an offering. It makes no sense in this world, but I'm bringing an offering. Because I'm believing you for a financial miracle. I'm telling you, sometimes God just says, how much faith do you have? How much do you actually believe me? How much do you believe that I will do in your life? And as you're walking your journey of life, sometimes you just have to have a bold faith. You just have to declare, this is what the Lord has said. And I'm going to do it to the glory of God. So every day they're marching around those walls. Every day they're marching around those walls. They're going home. Nothing's happened. Don't you know the devil's telling them, y'all are crazy? Don't you know there were people on top of those walls of Jericho saying, those stupid people, what are they doing? They're being obedient to God. And if you're obedient, and I know I've been preaching about obedience for months now, but I'm just telling you, if this church wants to walk where God has called it to walk, we have to be an obedient church. If you want to walk where God has called you to walk, you have to be an obedient man or an obedient woman, an obedient teenager. You have to be able to say, God, whatever you want, whatever you need me to do, whatever your desire for me is, God, I will do it. I'll say yes to whatever you're calling me to do. And when you do, God will show up. So where is it for you? Daniel, if you'll come, prepare to play. Singers and musicians, just stay where you are for just a moment. Just limit the distraction just for a moment. I want you to think about something with me, and then we're going to pray. Remember when I told you at the beginning that Moses' mother put him in a basket in the, in, the, in the Nile River in order that Pharaoh could not get to him? What a noble and honorable thing. Thousands of years later, they're still telling the story of Moses' mother. This faithful woman whose trust was in the Lord. And she laid her baby in that Nile River and she trusted God, having no idea what God was doing. She was trying to save her baby. And you don't have to stretch far to understand what she was saving her baby for. What she was saving him from, I should say. She was saving him from Pharaoh. What she didn't know is what God was saving him for.
Somebody in this room has been through a hard spot. In fact, I've heard some of you say this before. I thought God was mad at me. I thought God was angry at me. What you didn't realize, what you may not realize even this morning, is what God is saving you for. There's a future for you. There's a moment of destiny in the future for you. I said to a young woman in our church just a few days ago, I said, your knight in shining armor will come. Don't be impatient. Wait. God's got somebody coming your way. Some of you sitting here today, you, you've tried to work it out on your own. You've tried to direct your path your own way and it's not gone well. And God is reminding you this morning. He's been saving you for something. He's been saving you for a moment that's ahead. Maybe it's tomorrow. Maybe it's next week. Maybe it's next month. Maybe it's next year. Year 2000. I was living in Atlanta, Georgia. And an opportunity presented itself. It would have taken me out of the place where I was serving at that moment. It wasn't a bad thing. But it was a different thing. But I just could not find peace. I couldn't feel the release to do it. And I passed. In 2002, I was appointed as the state administrative bishop for the Church of God in Louisiana. And I'm sitting on the front row of the church in Baton Rouge called Maranatha at the time. And a man from our international office was sitting beside me. And he said to me, I'll never understand why you didn't take that other situation. I said, I don't expect that you will. I think I'm supposed to be right here. I think this is the place where God wanted me to be. That other place would have been nice, but it wasn't where God wanted me to be. August the 29th, 2005, 165 mile an hour winds hit New Orleans. 54 of the 60 churches that I had were destroyed by that hurricane. And so many nights, so many days, as God was giving us grace and resources to rebuild all those places, God said, I had you right where I wanted you to be. I'm the pastor of this church this morning because this is exactly where God wanted me you're in the place where you are this morning because God has you right where he wants you to be you have
have to get good with it. Listen to me. I love you. I'm your pastor. Some of you, the problem you're having right now is you aren't good with that statement I just made. You have to get good with it. You're in the place where God wants you to be. Because He's saving you for something. You didn't understand why you didn't get the promotion you wanted. You didn't understand why that job didn't work out for you because it wasn't the job for you. God has you where he wants you to be. When it's time to move, God will move you. He'll move you. He's saving you for something. Every head bowed, every eye closed. honestly and sincerely tell you from the depth of my heart knowing I'll give an account for every word I say that God ordained this message this morning for our church yeah this was it this was the message God wanted Lake Erie to hear if you're watching me online right now listen to me put your camera right on listen to me God wanted you to hear this message wanted you to hear this message because you need to know God's taking you somewhere and you can't let your fears, your anxieties, your struggles, your difficulties you can't let any of that hinder you even if you can't make sense of what's going on you've got to keep going you've got to keep going Thank you for listening Lake Erie Church is a multicultural Pentecostal church located in Perry, Ohio, about 30 minutes east of Cleveland. We would love to have you for a visit sometime. For more information or to connect with our team, please visit lakeeriechurch.com.